Finally, we gave them two hours of good stuff this week. I am Spencer Linton. Believe it or not, radio listeners are like, who is this guy? I yeah. can't come home from work and be aggressive. That's not going to fly. Be aggressive. Be at dinner. Be aggressive. Whoa. Send in your incorrect answers. Now, this is uh, the beauty of a live show. Hex, yeah. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Welcome in our first guest of the day with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Nick Emery finishes as sixth all-time in BYU history in three-point makes with 199 total. My notes have that as a lot. 199, 97 as a freshman, which still stands as a BYU freshman record in the basketball annals. Nick is now with us. Welcome back to Studio B, man. It's good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, Uh, it's uh, been an interesting week for you and your family, I'm sure. The news breaks on Instagram that you're stepping away from basketball. Um, I I think the first thing we want to know is when did this idea first start to kind of go through your mind and and gain some traction? You know, it was kind of after Coach Rose left that I really felt like, you know what, I have given basketball my all. You know, I've given it everything for 20-plus years. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking about in April, but I decided to push through just to see kind of how this, the the new coaching staff and and how the new system would be. And then, uh, you know, you kind of just hit a point in your career where you're just like, you know what, I'm I'm happy with what I've accomplished in in basketball and – you know, I'm grateful for the the opportunities that basketball has provided for me, and uh, you know, obviously, it's a bittersweet feeling to to give up the jersey because no one ever wants to do that. But I've never felt so right about a decision, and I'm happy and I'm grateful for BYU and allowing me this opportunity to have played for them. We'll dive into more of kind of what went into that, but what ultimately uh, told you after a few months of practicing with the team and still preparing for a season, right? What ultimately gave you the idea? Okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm 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 gonna hang it up. You know what? So I, I got married um in July and I've got a little guy now and he's uh, here. He's Jack, here, by Jack, the way. Jack's so, here. What's up, Jack? He's gonna Jack. be four in a couple of weeks. <laughs> He'll be four in a couple of weeks, yeah. but you know, I I think my priorities have just shifted. That that passion, that fire I've always had for basketball, um, is kinda just uh dwindled and uh you know I still love the sport still love I'll still support our guys it has nothing to do with the teammates coaches or whatever it's just a decision that I feel like I need to to take on the father role be there for Jack and uh you know for myself like I just going through everything that I went through at BYU and I'm I'm grateful for every single thing that I I went through but you know I I just kind of hit that point where I was like you know what this is this is time I know you are very much in love with your wife, Jenna, and she's a sweetheart. What were the conversations like with her as you told her, I think I'm going to step away from basketball? You know, at first it was hard because obviously she wanted me to pursue my dreams of playing professional basketball. And uh, when I first brought it up to her, she said, no, you got to keep playing. You got to keep playing. And, you know, as we've talked more, she's been more supportive and super loving. And, you know, it is time to start our family and, you know, she's been through a lot in her life, and I want to give her 100% of my attention and and be that father to Jack and to be that husband to Jenna because they they are my world. You know, you you understand priorities when you get a little bit older and having gone through 
certain experiences in life, you know, you, you move on and you really reflect back and, you know, Jen has been super supportive and her, her family, my family, you know, all, all my friends, it's, it's been a blessing and I'm, I'm just grateful for their support. Your identity for most of your life has been as a basketball player. So is this hard? That is correct. <laughs> oh, that's Nick. Oh, he plays basketball, you know, but <laughs> you know, there's so much more to life than, than basketball itself, you know, and I think the public kind of perceives you as this basketball player and, oh, he plays basketball. He's got everything he's ever wanted. But, you know, we're just human. We're just, we're just normal beings, human beings, just living life. And, uh, you know, basketball is just something we uh, have been blessed to play. And, you know, it's just taking every opportunity and being able to understand, like, yeah, my priorities are a little bit different now. And, and I'm happy, you know, there's, there's a smile. I feel like a, a lot of weight's taken off my shoulders and, just got to continue to, to progress in life. Nick Emery with us on BYU Sports Nation. Great to have him back in Studio B as he discusses why now was the time to step aside from basketball. When did you tell the BYU coaching staff, and what were those conversations like? They were super supportive. Obviously, a new coaching staff is in, in place, and uh, you know, I think the hardest thing for me is, was, was telling the, my teammates. You know, and, and they fully understand and, and fully gave me their 100% okay. And, and I'm happy, you know. I, I'm in good standing with the university, with myself, with what I've accomplished here. And, and they know that, and they know this has nothing to do with them, that this is all my decision just to, for me to progress in life, you know. And that's, that's ultimately what came down to is how can I progress, and this was the next step. Did there come a point where things you thought may just stay off the court came on the court for you to where perhaps BYU basketball, not that BYU did this, but things happened on and off the court where, man, this is kind of a a negative place. I found this positive place. I want to go there more. Did anything like that happen? Uh, Not necessarily because when I first withdrew from school, it was, it was very difficult. And, you know, my, my, my dream growing up was to always play for BYU and, you know, I could have I could have left this university, could have left and played for another team, but that's not my mentality. I, I owe this university, I owe administration, my teammates, and so I decided to come back to BYU, and I'm grateful for Coach Rose, you know, bringing back a player who had, you know, some, some tough times in his life. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to this, this aspect of just, you know what, there, there's just pieces to the puzzle, you know, and all the pieces of the puzzle. I feel like I've, I've finished my puzzle on the basketball aspect of side of things, and so, yeah, no, that's that's what I would say. What is your relationship like with Dave Rose right now that he is in retirement and you're stepping aside from basketball? And, and what have those consultations been like? Well, Coach Rose has played a big part in this decision, obviously, because you know it's easy for someone to go through all the NCAA stuff and you know essentially more, you know, and have to figure out how a player can come back. And, you know, Coach Rose and bringing me back really saved me mentally and helped me to pursue what I wanted. And that was to prove myself, you know, I can I can get through something hard, you know. And uh, Coach Rose has been super supportive. I've talked to him a few times. And I think seeing how happy he is now and just kind of seeing a new light in Coach, you know, I feel that same that same energy with myself right now is, you know, there there is a lot of weight taken off my shoulders, you know. It's the perception of kind of the public of oh, you have done these things or or maybe not getting the full understanding of what had happened and kind of perceiving things and ultimately it's just 
you know, I know who I am, Coach Rose, everybody in, that I associate with know my true intentions and real heart, and Coach Rose has definitely played a big role in that. What do you feel like's been unfair in terms of what uh, the public has thought about you, like you mentioned? You know, it just comes with the game. You know, playing basketball on, on a collegiate level, I mean, social media makes it so easy for, for people to contact you, and you read those messages, and you want to say something back because, you know, they're just saying that either out of despite or they're just, you know, angry or whatever. And, you know, as a basketball player, you you've – work every day to become your best player, you know. And so when you miss a shot, your biggest critic is yourself. It's not what people are saying, but social media has allowed that where that outside pressure kind of sinks in. And I think I've learned these last couple of years especially just how to not let that affect me essentially and just, you know, I know who I am. People around me know who I am, and that's all that matters. And I'll be myself no matter the situation. What's next for you in your life? You know what? For the next three weeks, I'm taking it off. I'm going to relax, <laughs> get my body back. But no, so I was talking about Jenna earlier, um, how an amazing example she is. Um, and our, obviously, of course, Jack. Uh, so Jenna went through a hard time losing her husband three years ago, and Jack was only eight months old. And so kind of seeing how she's persevered through life and through that hard time, she's, she's really reached out to others. And so with this whole thing is I think the next step is we're going to we're going to get our nonprofit started and uh on mental health and just persevering through the hard times and getting through stuff that you feel like you can't get through because there I I believe 100% everything in life happens for a reason and sometimes we don't understand that but as you keep pushing you understand so we'll get this this nonprofit going um go speak to some schools about suicide and mental health and uh you know jenna's working with a lot of younger youth right now and especially widows that are going through stuff right now and uh you know it's a blessing for me to see just because it has changed my perspective on life and so we'll get that nonprofit going and then uh you know we'll we'll see i'm not entirely sure yet you'll you'll do a lot of good with that that's awesome let's finish with this now that it's over can you speak to the the expectations and the hopes and uh, I guess the reality of the Lone Peak 3 and, and the excitement there and kind of what's played out the last several years, which you make plans and then they end up different. That's exactly right. You make plans, they end up different. Um, but the expectation part, you know, Eric and TJ and the LP3 or whatever, you know, everyone kind of assumed we are going to come in here and win a national championship. And obviously that was our goal too, you know, and on it just didn't happen and but we what what's cool about sports is you you play so hard every day and give it your all every day that I can honestly look back and say I don't regret one thing that I've ever done on the court on outside the court you know cuz those are learning experiences and so just people understanding like you know hey we were here fighting for our cougars you know and we know and we we understand that that fans and players and whatever get upset when we lose or don't do what they think we should do but I just I just hope fans know that these players are working every single day to become better there's no egos on this team there's no I can do this better than you you know it's we're all we're all in it together fans players teammates coaches like we're all in this together and uh 
you know, I'm excited for the future of BYU basketball. I think it's in great hands and, uh, you know, go from there. We're going to use you as uh, an analyst at times. Is that cool? That's we'll totally fine with me. You can analyze <laughs> the game, take on a new role there. There you go. All right, Nick. Uh, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, and I know I can speak for Jeremy. He said it himself as much, but we're just we're thrilled for you. We're happy that you've come to a resolution. You seem happy, and we look forward to the good that you're going to do. Hey, I appreciate that, guys. I'm Thank you. you just make one more three to get to 200, though. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know it was a 199, but hey. <laughs> It's okay. Come out of retirement for my two hundred was Jack and Jenna, so I'm good. Hey, <laughs> hey. Nailed it. Nicely hey. done. Awesome. Thanks. So, hey, thank you guys for everything. And thank you, Cougar fans. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, we have a little time and a lot to do, including Jerem's next 10 in 10 list. The top 10 coaches BYU football will compete against this year. Let's do it. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 in 10. Coaches from teams not wrapped, Idaho State and UMass. Number 10, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. The former Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State defensive coordinator went 5-7 and seven in year one at Rocky Top. His defense was middle of the pack. The offense stunk. This is a renovation project still in progress. By the way, Pruitt was the defensive coordinator at Hoover High when former BYU O-line coach Ryan Pugh was a senior. How about that? Pruitt is unproven as a head coach right now, so he's number 10. I have no issues with that. I agree with you. I think he has a lot to prove. He's a good D.C. at Alabama, but as a head coach, we will see. Different beast. Number nine, Gary Anderson, Utah State. Whoa. I think Anderson's a good coach, but he's got to prove himself more after a 7-23 stint at Oregon State where he led mid left mid-season in year three. In fact, I was on the sideline for the final game there in L.A. against USC. Random, right? He's back in Ogden, I mean Logan, where he was his best coaching self. 11-2 in 2012, and boom, he got the Wisconsin job, where he went 19-7, and but then left for Corvallis. He never sold his house in Logan. Literally. It all worked out. Now, this Gary Anderson at number nine tells me the quality of opposing head coaches of BYU face on this year's schedule. Number eight, Jason Candle, Toledo. Nine-plus wins in three of the last four years. Rockets led the Mac in scoring last season. He's produced NFL quarterback Logan Woodside and talented but off-the-field issued Kareem Hunt. Perennial bowl team. Three of his four recruiting classes, tops in the Mac. And he's the highest-paid coach in the league as well. Well, his team's picked to win their division again, so there's that. Number seven, Charlie Strong, South Florida. He probably still has nightmares as the Texas head coach, where on September 6, 2014, he watched Taysom Hill hurdle over the entire stadium. Strong went 16 and 21 at Texas before the South Florida job, where he was 17 and 2 mm-hmm. until six straight losses in last season. Before Texas, he was at Louisville 23 and 3 the last two seasons. So he's shown he can be an amazing coach. I'd probably flip flop Jason Candle and Charlie Strong just because six straight losses is a lot to handle. He's still 17 and 8 in two years at USF, right? Number six, Rocky Long, San Diego State. Long was a BYU rival coach at New Mexico for a long time who hired a guy named Bronco Mendenhall to be his DC back in the day. He's had this career revival in San Diego where he's won 38 games the past four years, been to eight straight bowl games. He has the most Mountain West Conference wins of any coach ever. Rushing fiend, 2016 and 17, had different 2,000-yard rushers in back-to-back years. That had never happened. I can't wait for BYU to beat San Diego State the final regular season game of the year. Mm. Number five, Hugh Freeze, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. The former head ball coach at Ole Miss for five seasons is in year one at Liberty. After two years out of the game, thanks to violations that led to 33 vacated wins, 
and a postseason ban. Who can forget the 2014 and 15 seasons where Ole Miss was ranked as high as number three, winning the 2016 Sugar Bowl by 28. Mm. Freeze hopes to escort the Flames into its first full-fledged FBS season with success against the schedule. That includes Syracuse, Rutgers, Virginia, and Brigham. Don't be fooled by the name. Liberty is a sneaky program on the rise with Hugh Freeze. Six and six last year. They returned a lot of offense. Number four, Clay Helton, USC. He's 32 and 17 in five seasons with the men of Troy. He's one year removed from winning the Pac-12 in the Rose Bowl. Last year was a five and seven season. So because it's USC, he's on the hot seat. (laughs) Something Cal doesn't tolerate mediocrity for long. BYU games a big one after tough openers with Fresno State and Stanford. Well, Clay Helton fall into the trap of the BYU game. Yeah, yeah, let's hope. Week three, number three, Brian Harson, Boise State. Harson wins. That's the name of the game, right? 52 and 15 in five seasons. 10 plus wins in four of those. Four and one versus BYU. Finished ranked in three of those seasons. Did I mention winning? He's a former Bronco quarterback who was a co-OC at Texas and head coach at Arkansas State before taking over for Chris Peterson. You know where that one loss against BYU came? In Provo, and it was when Boise State was breaking in a new quarterback. It's the only season he hasn't won 10 games, by the way. Number two, Kyle Whittingham, Utah. He's an institution in Salt Lake. The former all-whack linebacker at BYU, 120 and 61 at Utah in 14 seasons with two BCS Bowl wins. Last season, the Utes broke out with their first Pac-12 South outright title before losing to UW for a shot at the Rose Bowl this season. Utah expected to win the South, maybe the whole league. I was getting so used to Utah being number one on all these lists, I'm a little shocked here. I can't do it, everyone, because of just personal emotion. And the top coach BYU will face in 2019 is Chris Peterson of Washington. It's been five full seasons in Seattle. Can you believe it since he left Boise State? He's 47-21 and with top 16 finishes in the last three seasons. Three New Year's Six games, 32 wins, 24 NFL draft picks during his tenure. Two Pac-12 titles in the last three years. And those are the top ten coaches BYU will face in 2019. I think this list is really impressive. Your top five coaches are all playing in Provo this year. How about that? Accident. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is USC football insider for The Athletic, Antonio Morales. I said earlier, I bet he's athletic because he writes for The Athletic. We'll let him decide that. Antonio, are you okay if we introduce you as an athletic writer for The Athletic? <laughs> that might be a bit of a stretch, but I'll let you guys run with it. All right. Okay, that's good. That's out of the way. Then let's go with this. USC and the quarterback position, one of the most heralded positions in all of college football with all of the illustrious history, Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart. Now, is it JT Daniels or will it be Jack Sears for the Trojans? I'd still be, I'd be very surprised if JT Daniels wasn't starting week one. That's just based off of practice observations and taking the fact he started of last year, just these guys are going to be large, largely based, like the judgments are going to be largely based on practice, obviously. And he's the most steady practice player. Jack Sears did well in the game. He started last year against Arizona State, but he, he has a lot of highs and lows to his practice performances. And if you're a coach and you're kind of contemplating 
who's going to start on Saturday and what you're basing them off of kind of right now is practice. Uh, I think JT has the edge just because he's the most steady of the quarterback options. What's the expectation for USC two years ago winning the Rose Bowl in the Pac-12 and then last year a, a dip to 5-7? and seven. So what's the expectation going into 2019? I mean, the expectations, the expectations kind of range from winning the Pac-12 South to going 6-6 six and six and stuff like that. People really don't seem to have a real good handle on this team. The schedule is really tough. You don't see many teams going out there to BYU. Any power, many Power Five teams like scheduling a trip to BYU. Um, they have B, they have Utah on a short week after that. Who? Um, <laughs> and, and after and after that game, they have a game at Washington, then an off week and a, a game at Notre Dame. Uh, it's a tough first six games. We'll find out how good they are early on, and that's not even mentioning Fresno State and Stanford before they get to BYU. Okay, because of the placement of the BYU game in Provo, are the Cougars a trap game for USC because of the Fresno State game before and a Stanford game right after? What do you think? Well, Fresno State, Stanford, and then Utah. And then Utah, sorry, as you said, on the short week. Do you think they're a trap game because of where they're in the schedule? I think you consider that um, a trap game because Stanford-USC is obviously a contested rivalry now. Um, they're always playing early in the season, and that's a game that's always been circled as pretty important for USC and Stanford. So they're obviously going to have a lot of attention placed on that. Then you, they go to BYU, um, and then they have Utah, who's the Pac-12 preseason favorite now, which I think surprised many people. Um, and you know USC is going to want to get revenge for last year's game where they were embarrassed by Utah. Um, then, so you're sandwiching BYU in between that. I think you can consider it a trap game. This group of receivers for USC is very impressive. When I do my uh, receivers uh, preview in what we call 10 and 10, that a lot of these guys are going to be in there. Three dudes who returned that had at least 670 yards. By the way, BYU had one that had over 500. Uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown, Tyler Vons, and Michael Pittman Jr. Are they the best receiver group in the Pac-12? Yeah, yeah, I think people are considering them one of the best receiver groups in the country. Um, I think I would still put them behind Alabama, Clemson, and schools like that. Uh, But they're up there. Um, I think they're definitely the best in the Pac-12. Pittman finally started kind of producing. He's he's always been a big play threat, uh, but last season was his real first season with kind of true production. Um, He's a big yards per catch guy. It's always a lot of big plays. Amon Ra is steady with the receptions and the yardage. Um, and Tyler, Tyler Vons is a smooth receiver on the outside who, who can do well in those contested catch situations. Um, so they're, they're each a bit different. Um, but the top three make a, make a really good unit, and they've added depth at that position. Um, this offseason, they're recruiting uh, through the – through the uh, signing, departure, and transfer of Brew McCoy. Uh, I don't think he'll play this year, but it's, that's good for the long-term view of the position. Them signing a receiver like four-star Cal Ford was good for the, for the future of that group, too, once some of these guys leave. 
Antonio Morales with us on BYU Sports Nation, writes for The Athletic, covers USC football specifically. You can follow him on Twitter at Antonio C. Morales. Let's talk about the Trojans head coach, Clay Helton. And as Jerem mentioned, coming off of a 5-7 and seven season, but before that went to the Rose Bowl, had a very successful campaign. Mm-hmm. Is he on the hot seat this year, given that he had to change over much of his staff? I think anytime the AD feels the need to put out a statement saying he's bringing back his coach, I think there's some sort of pressure there. Um, and that's what Lynn Swan did after USC lost to Notre Dame last year and finished 5-7. and seven. He, he mentioned there's uh, deficiencies across the board within the program. Um, and some people said if there's this many deficiencies, why is the head coach coming back? Um, but he elected to retain Clay Helton. Um, I think history suggests that if you hover around 500 or have a losing season as the USC coach, your days as the USC coach aren't going to last that much longer. Um, so we'll see what happens with Clay. Like I said, those first six games are obviously a, a big indicator of how things will go. Um, I know if you're more on the pessimistic side, of the USC fan base, they're probably saying, well, this is a team, this is a program that's the last two coaches have been fired midseason. If he gets off to a bad start, will he be fired midseason? Um, so we'll see what happens. Those first six games are, are crucial. If they can get through those with a decent record. It sets up well for a nice second-half run and for Clay to um, stabilize things a little bit. If that happens, at least let him go on the plane ride home this time, unlike the previous incident, right? <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be uh, nice. Yeah, I think uh, after they lost to uh, Alabama in 2016 when Kiffin was the offensive coordinator and he was tweeting out the time, the time of when he got fired on the tarmac, uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen again. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. Let's finish with this. What's your perception of BYU football going into 2019? I was just looking into it right now. It seems like they were kind of young at quarterback. Um, and some other positions last year. Um, the most I kind of watched of them was when they played Wisconsin and they had that upset win, um, which at the time was pretty impressive. I think Wisconsin was top five team in the country around that time. Um, I'm interested to see how USC will match up in the trenches with BYU because an area where People usually have doubts about USC these days. When, when USC was great last decade, the offensive line, they, they handled things in the trenches, both offensively and defensively. Um, that's kind of dipped and been one of the reasons why they haven't been as dominant. The skill players are still there, uh, but they haven't been as dominant on both sides of the line. So I'm interested to see how they match up with BYU, which is typically a bigger, more physical, an older team, more mature team. Um, in the trenches, I'm interested to see how they kind of match up there and see how USC handles that in that in that environment. Antonio, great stuff, man. We appreciate the insight into USC. Thanks for the time. Oh, no problem. Thanks, guys. Antonio Morales on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He brought it up. But, the age. but it, 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 lightly, it's fun. But does he mean maturity, just in experience? Yeah, he, he didn't on the say, he didn't say he didn't say going older on a players. He didn't say advantage. older yeah. players. Yeah. He just You're said right. maturity. You're right. Thank okay. you. You're right. I'm. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. It's time for a toss-up, Jerem, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Mm -hmm. Toss-up scenario that we have talked about and teased a few times in this show. Such a tease. Who will be more important to the overall success of the BYU offense? Matt Bushman, the tight end, on the uh, he's one of the top ten ends in the country. He's on a preseason award watch list. Or that James means a Empey. lot. Or James Empey, another guy that's on a preseason award watch list as the center. Who's it going to be? James Empey. If James Empey is not very good, then it doesn't matter because Zach Wilson won't be able to get him the ball effectively. Um, it starts and ends with a good offensive line. It really does. You can have decent receivers. If you have a great O-line, that changes things. We think that this O-line's at least good. If not great, we'll see. And the QB of the O-line is the center. There's only one player who actually touches the ball every play. It's the center. And then hopefully it gets to the quarterback, right? From there. James Empey was a freshman All-American. Pro Football Focus assessed James Empey as the second highest graded center, not as a sophomore, returning, but among everybody. Boom, roasted. FBS, boom, roasted. Thank you. Stanley, boom, roasted. That's amazing. And I think his name will change this year. James Empey will mature and become Jim Empey. <laughs> that sounds like an offensive lineman, right? Who's your center at BYU? Jim Empey. Jim Empey. He will become Jim Empey. Can I just point out that the reason James Empey is at BYU yeah. well, is because of his father, Mike. Mike. Michael Empey. So I'd like to give my shout-out to Mike Empey mm. for – Giving BYU, who I agree with you, will be the most important cog in the success of the BYU offense this year between Bushman and Empey. Okay? Yes. Other than the quarterback, yes. it's James Empey. I, I think in the pecking, yeah, we're, we're pitting those two against each other, but it goes Zach Wilson. To me, then it's James Empey. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The center. He has to see everything of the offensive line. Makes the calls. He makes the calls the for all of his teammates. Did you notice a single snap from James Empey last year? They were all Can good. Can you think of a single one where we were all like, good? He and what did we say? He allowed like nine pressures on like seven hundred eighty-three snaps or something. That's amazing. Boom, roasted. Yes, it's it's uh, Jimmer Empey. James Jim Empey is the guy. Like James Kirk, Tiberius Kirk or whatever. <laughs> right? They call him Jim later. This is what happens. He committed James Tiberius to Kirk Utah. Credit. He committed to Utah. Oh, we got that pack tw- those Pac twelve. Transfers. And then came back to BYU because of his dad, Mike Empey. The Mike Empey effect continues to show itself. He stayed after his dad got fired. He loves BYU. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So shout out to the whole Empey clan. I hope somebody gets this to them. Yes. Mike Empey, thank you. And Jim Empey, thank you for what you're about to do for BYU. He will become (laughs) Jim Empey. I think it's after this season. Once he's a junior and he's an upperclassman, it's like, you know what? I'm going by Jim. I'm Jim Empey. I haven't talked to James, but I'll talk to him after the season and say, I think it's time. And he'll, and he'll say, for what? And I'll say, for lunch. Let's for go. lunch. Let's go. In all seriousness, for Matt Bushman to win this conversation, it would take like a straight-up like, first-team All-American type year You'd have him. to have 800 yards, 8 TDs, just be incredible, right? And listen, Matt Bushman could do that. Matt Bushman is a junior. The first two years from him have been really nice. He's combined for over 1,000 yards. He's not had as many touchdowns as I, I think 
I want to see him have. Um, he's not been as big of a red zone threat, perhaps, against Arizona. That was a nice play, right? 24 yards. You're not in the red zone, technically. The blue zone, a blue shirt, whatever. Matt Bushman can be there. But it, honestly, you, you need to have a good cue, making good decisions, good O-line, good run game. Obviously, receivers and tight ends in space would be nice. But those are ancillary to the core, the primary part of an offense, which is if you can't run, you're not going to be able to throw the ball very effectively, probably. Unless BYU does what they did against Western Michigan in the second half, which is let's score 42 points by pass first, run second, and oh, go ahead, Riley Burton, 100-plus yards. It's nice to have... Guys that still have multiple years left doing good things for BYU. And yeah, they're going to go about doing good. Leads me to the offensive line. Projected starters, BYU will not lose one from this year to next year. Incredible. They'll lose Thomas Shelf, who right now is scheduled as a backup at multiple positions, has been a starter. Freshman All-American, by the way. <laughs> and as he's a, backup. A, he's a backup. And he's a backup. That's great. Who, I want someone to do the sophomore All-American. Anyway. What did you have to say this week? This is the best from the nation. Our question of the day. How many ifs is BYU football away from a 10-win season in 2019? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Our first response in from at Twiggerstone. Jaron, you never get to lead this off. Lead us off. At Twiggerstone on Twitter. Oh, did your battery die? It did. I was like, why is he handing it to me? Something must be wrong. Uh, computer screen black. Yeah. Do you need, here's yeah, that for later. Charge during the break. Yeah, at Twigger Stone on Twitter. At least five. What? What's our five question? Five ifs? How many ifs? Oh, five yeah. ifs? Beating Utah teams, finding consistency at receiver, finding a starting running back, overcoming road woes on the East Coast. Yep, we've talked about it. Playing with the same quarterback for the whole season. Okay, oh, yeah, I like, yeah. I like okay. his last two yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, Same no. starting quarterback all season, if that happens. That is a, that is a great one. I think that's a, a wonderful And idea. if BYU yeah. can actually win in the Eastern time zone against teams that finish with a winning record. Yeah, that's our uh, qualifier. Our question of the day, do you prefer to watch BYU football games at the stadium or at home? First response in from at Zach underscore Vandy says, this is tough. I love home games, and I go to a few away games every year, but after each game, I always think to myself, man, I can't wait to go home and watch the broadcast. (laughs) The atmosphere at games is incredible, and I prefer being there, but I get more from the broadcast. Yeah, you are, uh, I guess, omniscient in a way, right? You have all these angles, and you have replays and stats and whatever. To a degree, you can have some of that in the stadium. You're trying to get your replays on your phone, and we're the ones clipping those off. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's a better... To that and... Trying to feed those as quickly as possible. A better in-game experience than ever before with what BYU is yes. trying to do. With, well, and and it'll continue to get better. Yes. They look at this because they want to make sure if you go to the game that you have a great experience before, during, and then after. It's not just that you're in the parking lot going home in your car. It's like, well, what if there was a post-game tailgate? People just – BYU football is a big deal, but it's not our entire lives to a lot of people. Yeah. What, you know, it, it's part of the culture. And listen, right? if you're there when BYU – upsets the projected Pac-12 champions and provides the ultimate buzzkill for Utah. You want to be there. You're there in person. You want to be there. You want everybody to know you were there. Yeah, and you're sending your pictures on Instagram. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline one of our BYU Sports Nation favorites. It's been way too long. Yeah. Former BYU big man Eric Mika. Eric, welcome back to the show. Boo. What's up, guys? How's it going? <laughs> Boo? What are you booing? I'm booing myself. I was, you know. Got to get myself going a little bit. <laughs> you, you need to get riled up. Like you need to hear that I negativity. Get, yeah, I do. I love it. I feed off of it. Eric, uh, you're in the middle of uh, a very busy vacationing season after you did a lot of good work with the uh, Kings in the NBA yeah, yeah. summer where, league. Where are you right now? You know, that's for me to know and you to find out, man. <laughs> it sounds like you're in the mall. Follow him on social no, media. I'm Maybe actually, he'll reveal I'm a clue. Some. Uh, some vacation. I'm actually sitting in a gym right now. I just finished working out. So, nice, nice. Um, we're we're in St. George with my wife's family um, this week. We'll actually go down to Vegas to catch a show, um, and then we come back. And two days later, we head up to um, to Canada to Banff. Oh um, yeah, okay. In, nice in Canada with my family. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I was just telling Ben, it's one of those things where. You know, when you're planning it a year off, it it looks like it's going to work. You just kind of say yes to everything, and then it gets there, and you're like, "Oh, that's going to be a little bit crazy." But we're making it work. We're having fun. We'll have we'll have enough time to get back in shape, and in the meantime, I'm just getting shots up and and doing some cardio. So, so good. Fantastic. Well, that said, I think everybody wants to know what's next for you after you stood out with the Sacramento Kings and had a very solid summer league. What's next yeah. for you in your professional basketball career? Um, well, yeah, summer league went really well. Um, it was an awesome experience with the Kings. I think we were kind of, um, you know, right place, right time, which is what it takes sometimes because the other big guy, um, Caleb Swanigan, was kind of um, hurt. His squad was bugging him. He got need need there during practice and a little training camp um you know so they gave me a lot of time in sacramento and i think i showed them and other teams like i do and so it was, you know it was great it was a lot of fun i had a lot of fun with the guys getting another staff so it just it just seems like a good situation um nothing is signed but it looks like um almost likely to go into training camp with them to vet camp in the fall and and then yeah, we'll just go from there. We'll see if we can crack the roster, or if we go down to the G League and we'll just try and get called up a couple of times and just see what happens. Well, that's exciting. So, uh, if you don't make the team, is the G- is the G League the next step, perhaps, for you, so that you are in a position to be called up to the NBA? Yeah, and it's actually it's actually a rule. I'm I'm, I'm like not super familiar with all the G League stuff um, and NBA stuff, but I what I'm figuring out and I could be wrong there could be someone out there who's like man this guy's stupid he doesn't even know what's going on but I think um, if you do go to vet camp then you have to be with the G League affiliate team for at least 60 days or something Mm. two or three months Um, so that would be the next step with the yeah with the hope of kind of establishing myself and you know getting a lot of minutes and playing like I do so that come January I can get some call-ups from the Kings and you know you know hopefully even even more more from other teams, you know, because any team can call you up from the G League. That's the that's the beauty of it. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think we're excited to stay in the space to just kind of work on my game. That's where my agent and my trainer are out of. So when I'm not working out with the team, I can get even 
more work in, which is, you know, big for me. Um, I'm definitely learning a lot about what I still have to improve on uh, with the athleticism and the physicality of the NBA. But I feel like we're in a good spot and, and that things are kind of coming together like we wanted and like we expected. Eric, you picked up some good experience in Italy and Germany, albeit it was a little bit rough at times and you had some unexpected twists and turns, but here you are. What did playing in Europe teach you that has now helped you to try and break into the NBA? Um, you know, I think it was just it was just playing against pros, you know, uh, and, and that's kind of what we hoped for heading out there two years ago and what we expected, and luckily that's what, what it was. Um, you know, every single game, even if you're playing the worst team in the league, you've got some really good players, some really experienced players that are making a lot of money. So they take their job seriously. They're big, they're fast, they're strong, they're physical, and, and they know how to play the game. So uh, I think just the, the high level of play and um, what goes along with that, with, with physicality, with IQ, and and just learning to play the game at a high level really helps. You know, I, I've I've told everyone I've talked to about summer league that you know, going into it two years ago after after leaving BYU, I felt okay. I think I did well in, in training camp. And obviously, it was a different situation. You kind of gain confidence, um, you know, situationally. If, if you're getting a lot of minutes, if you, if you know that, you know, you're a lock for next year, whatever it is. So I think my confidence wasn't there as a, as a rookie. And my my physicality wasn't there. You know, we played in Orlando with the Heat, and I can't remember the guy's name. He was just in summer league on the Portland Trailblazers I can't, this year, and I can't remember his name now, but uh, he was on the Pacers, and I just remember just getting moved by him. Like, it wasn't even – it was like me moving TJ. You know what I mean? I hope TJ <laughs> <hears> it. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't even a question of whether he, he was going to move me or not. It was just how far. So – you know, feeling that and then compared to this year where I felt like I was the guy moving people um, and no one could really match my physicality was just a testament to how good the last two years have been for me and my game. Um, so, you know, that that was nice to kind of be able to look back and say, hey, that was, that was good for me and, you know, now I need to keep working on that, uh, continue getting stronger and stronger and then, you know, kind of build the rest of my game around that. Certainly the goal for you and the other aspiring NBA players that, that go through BYU as we watch this process is to get to the NBA and play in the NBA, right? So describe to us the process there of, okay, do I stay in the G League, which I make less, or, uh, but I'm right there, right, next to the NBA, or do I go overseas and have uh, an experience where I make more and it's still good ball? How do you, how do you kind of manage those two? Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's really hard. There's a... There's definitely a, a gray area where, where you don't know exactly what to do, and it's a hard decision saying, hey, you know, do I take a shot at it at the NBA where the ceiling is high? You know, you see how much these guys are getting paid. Um, or do I play it, you know, quote-unquote safe? Not that it's easy to get good jobs out there, um, but if you're doing well, do I play it safe and stay out there and just kind of – um, continually collect a good paycheck and play at a high level, like you said, and still give yourself a chance to to go over, um, you know, just straight from a good team. Because uh, you see guys from the Euro League um, that head over and, and Euro Cup that head over to the NBA every single year. Um, but both, I think, both routes are, are hard ways to go. Obviously, there's 
what, 450 NBA jobs out there, and you've got millions of people fighting for them and dreaming of them. So either way you go, it's tough, and I think it's, it's all about the situation. Um, and for us right now, you know, I think we, we had good options in Europe. Um, I had a good enough year to put us in a good position to kind of move up the ladder like you want to do. But, uh, you know, Sacramento just seems, seems it's comfortable. Um, it's familiar. You know, my, my trainers out there, I already know more than half of the staff just from doing free, free draft workouts, from, from working out there in the, in the off seasons a little bit. Um, I know a, a bunch of the develop, developmental guys um, that are that are there every day working with the coaches and the players individually. So it just it just kind of seems like the stars are are aligned and everyone's kind of in my corner, hoping that I that I can contribute to the actual team. And and that's just something you don't get a lot. And so we're going to go for it, you know. And, and I'm still 24, so if nothing comes out of it, then we'll find a good job in Europe and and keep going that route, you know. But right now we just we just feel like it's it's the right timing to just kind of take a shot. You mentioned the training staff's familiar with you. Uh, when we talked in Provo, you said you got a pre-draft workout with the Kings, and you were afraid that they might have thought you were coming out of college or something. What happened there again? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, well, it was no. So the, the pre-draft was what Yoli was doing, uh, and, and what I did two years ago. And I actually did two pre-draft workouts with them. I was going to a mini camp, but I was so confused because I was going a couple of days early. And Yoli was on the same flight. <laughs> and, I was, and I was under the impression I hadn't communicated well with my agent. And so I thought I was working out on Monday. Yeah, I think we flew out on Sunday. I thought I was working out on Monday, but I was working out on Tuesday. There was a pre-draft workout with Yoli on Monday. And so I was like, are you working out with Sacramento? He's like, yeah, I'm working out tomorrow. And I was like, man, maybe, maybe they think I'm a, I'm a pre-draft guy. Like, uh, they, they screwed this all up. I'm going to be with a bunch of guys coming right out of college, which – actually got me kind of excited, you know. Yoli knows I put it on him, so I was just going to do it again right in front of the coaches, and it was going to be great. (laughs) Eric Mika with us on BYU Sports Nation, and just to reiterate, Eric, for those that may be joining us, uh, nothing has been signed, but you plan on being in fall camp or training camp with the Sacramento Kings with the intention of perhaps breaking in at some point in the season, maybe a two-way contract. Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of the plan right now. Okay, um, I'd also yeah. I'd also like to point out the fact that we have a very very nice professionally done picture of you on the TV oh compared to the pictures that I sent out on Twitter. It's from BYU. I think we need an updated one though. <laughs> hey, if if you guys put out another bad picture, I swear this will be the last time. Talk, well, well, we hadn't had you on for a while. We kind of got used to it, unfortunately. <laughs> That one, that one's not bad. I'm, I, I just hopped on Twitter. The one you put on is, isn't terrible. Um, I look, I look young, but I mean, it's from what two years ago, almost. I guess three years ago. Well, send us a good um, one. What? We, yeah. What? What we're gonna do is from now on, anytime we are in touch, I'm just gonna send you about ten, fifteen clips. <laughs> or, or pictures, and, and you guys can pick from there. That sounds great. <laughs> okay, that's that's what I, we you need for you. Just, you're ruining my image, man. We we are. <laughs> well, your dad your dad came to your defense, Eric. He emailed me a picture of you dunking all over uh, the German League Player of the Year. So, yeah, that, was that, that Jack that Sickness kid like, or something? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that nice. sounds like something my dad would do. We talked about it for about twenty minutes in the car the other day. <laughs> 
Eric. We'll, we'll make sure that we. I'm, I'm just gonna send actually to this uh, to this Twitter feed right here the the reply section. I'm gonna send you guys in the next hour just ten great pictures. Action packed. Don't do it. It'll compress them. You gotta send them raw an email. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Just text. Just right, text I'll me. Them, I'll send them to my dad and he'll uh, he'll email. He'll email yeah. them over. Or, okay. Or text me. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Eric, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, when you get back from your vacation, we'd love to have you in studio and uh, catch up some more. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. You got it. Eric Mika on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. We learn some stuff. That's news. Eric Mika planning on signing with the Sacramento Kings at least to be part of their training camp this fall with the intention of doing enough to maybe get a call up in December or January, play some games at the NBA. if he doesn't make the roster. Correct. If if he makes the roster, boom, he's in the NBA for the first time. And that's great because he's done enough, it sounds like, in Italy, Germany, and the Summer League the last couple of years to get an option. And that's the thing you, you, you forget is he worked out for the Kings, he said, a couple of times. They remember that. It's not like they just forget you. They're like, okay, come back and let's see what you have. Right? Even though he didn't know what he was really doing at first. <laughs> Am I a pre I'm going to dominate these guys. Awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Is the secondary the strongest defensive group for BYU in 2019? No, but it's close. I think that the linebackers will be better. Right now, we know there's more. We know the names of the guys returning in the secondary. Therefore, there's some confidence there. We always get a little scared, like, well, this group's going to be better even though we don't know exactly who's going to do what. I, I can understand that logic. But I think that Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi are stars. I think there's one star in the secondary for BYU, and it's Stein Gonwoloku. I think Austin Lee's really good. I think Troy Warner is a good player as well. I think those corners, the, the young corners, did a nice job uh, last season. But I think that the impact on the defense will be greater from Zane Anderson and Isaiah Kafusi, And I think Chaz Ayu is going to be a good player, too. Yeah. I think it will become the linebackers. I can see how you say going into the season it's the secondary. But I think the LBs will be where it's at. I told you yesterday in a conversation offline, I feel most confident in the back seven. But I'm with you. I think that the linebackers are just a little bit better as a position group than the defensive backs. And that's not a slight on the secondary for BYU. I just think the Cougars have some outstanding linebackers. We're talking about Zane Anderson, who I think will become the best defender on this BYU team once he gets Mm. those legs going again. I think he'll be the best defender on this BYU team. I know Kairos Tonga is going to go to the NFL. To me, he's the best player on the defense. Right now, skill set as far as development, everything, work ethic, leadership, overall MVP of the defense, I think, will become Zane Anderson. And MVP is different than best player. To Correct. Me. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I, I think, should say the MVP. Yeah. But val- what's, what do you value, right? I, I hate that the award for best player in a lot of like the NBA and whatever it's Has called value MVP. In it. It's like value is so subjective. No, just who's the best player? The, the Final Four does it the best in basketball. They say most outstanding player. Who's, who's the most outstanding player? Uh, um, as a group, I, I do think the D-line needs to raise their game. Yes. On offense, I, I keep talking about the receivers. On defense, it is the D-line. Because if BYU can get pressure with four, 
Now it's a game changer. Now you don't have to be have an elite secondary, which BYU will never have an elite secondary because it's a position that's hard to recruit to BYU. Typically, what is cornerback? It's a shorter, fast uh, black guy that's harder to recruit for BYU. Yet BYU is getting good players at the, that position. I don't think they'd be all league type guys, but in the past BYU's had some. That's just a harder position to recruit. You know what's easier? Defensive line. You get a good stout on with this group, typically Polynesian player. Linebackers, you've had varied uh, right races there. Um, it the, the, it fits in certain spots for BYU, given who BYU is recruiting, the honor code, the religion, the type of guy you get. BYU has produced good defenses with all kinds of people, and I think that BYU can this year. I'm excited to see who fills in at linebacker, given that Sione Takitaki is gone, given that all the depth is gone. Yeah, I like different words because you can categorize these position groups under those, like the most reliable defensive group and the most valuable defensive group and the best. Straight up, from the talent perspective and the production standpoint, I think the linebackers are the best defensive group. I think Zane Traditionally, Anderson that's been the best position is the most BYU. valuable player on the BYU defense because of everything that he can do, and I think he will be a much-needed leader for the BYU defense. Now that Nick Emery's departure has settled in a bit, albeit it's still an emotional situation for the Emery family, for the BYU basketball family, and for fans, now it kind of feels like we need to push it forward. Okay, the decision's made. He's gone. So what does it mean for the BYU basketball roster next season? It means they have one less scholarship to play. It's Really difficult at this juncture to find anybody that's really going to contribute, in my opinion. I, I think it's tough. Unfortunately, this is when Nick decided. Good for Nick. It's whenever, right, for him. But for the team, this puts them in a pinch to find someone to replace him. It's not like Nick was just a, a whatever player. He was a guy that been an all-league performer. This is a guy that uh, was top 11 in made threes and uh, steals. I mean, he was... Had he played all four years fully like he did his freshman year, he would have been top five in BYU history in scoring. He set the BYU freshman record for threes made in the season with 97. Incredible, right? And unfortunately, he's had a lot happen to him. Things he's done, things that happened to him, some really serious things you know, off the court um, with him. So let's push it forward. What it means is that BYU needs to find a point guard to replace T.J. Haas with this scholarship, in my opinion. If that's a guy that transfers and sits, that's fine because you're going to have to replace another guy that I would argue that T.J. Haas is one of the top 20 point guards in BYU history at this point. Perhaps he climbs in 15 or 10 when he's all said and done. Connor Harding will develop quicker because of this move, in my opinion. Nick Emery last year was struggling, didn't play the first nine games. We saw Connor Harding start to emerge. When Nick uh, Emery was put back in the lineup, we saw Harding kind of pull back a little bit. I think Connor Harding is going to be an all-league performer when he's done at BYU. Not necessarily this year, but I think he's a double-digit scorer. It's one less senior without Nick Emery. It's one less kind of leader. You could argue that, hey, the last two years, Nick Emery kind of hasn't been the same guy, so it's not a huge loss. But the idea of what Nick Emery could be is a loss to me. Sure, and I think BYU fans were hopeful that Nick Emery would show up for this season like he did for his first game back against Utah State, right? where he's making plays on defense, knocking down big threes. That was his best game, and that was one of my favorite moments in Nick Emery's career was watching him come back and play well against a really good Utah State team. Yeah. 
But I think it was unfair to expect that from him every game just because there was that natural emotion. There was that energy. It was his first game back, and then he kind of wavered again. So We I never think- saw freshman Nick after his freshman year. We never saw it. it. A la Tanner Mangum. We never saw that guy again. Yeah. Right? In a lot of ways, it kind of felt like he was a shell of himself. Sure. Trying to find his and, way back and in. And I get it, you know, with the off-the-field uh, or off-the-court stuff. You, you could argue, too, like, hey, this guy gave BYU some violations. He punched a guy. Like, it, it, It's been a complicated situation uh, with Nick Emery, a guy that I really like personally. Um, hopefully, BYU can replace that production, right? Now, what this means is opportunity knocks. Yeah, Connor Harding's going to have some serious opportunity to step in and fill that role. I think he's a starter for sure now. What does it mean for a guy like Jesse Wade, though, Jerem? Like with the guard rotation, and maybe even a guy like Trevin Nell. Like, what do those guys do? All of a sudden, are they going to be called upon to now do some more things, or is it just, hey, Connor, take the bulk of these minutes, the bulk of the shots, and do some stuff that we expected Nick to do? And how does BYU replace him defensively? His natural defensive aggression. I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, good on-ball defender, really aggressive, right? Yeah, Jesse Wade has been a guy that's been a little banged up during the summer. He's not quite been able to uh, be healthy and go full go a ton. Uh, perhaps the backup point guard with Jesse Wade. Now, I thought Trevin might be a guy that you might redshirt, but now I think he's got to play. And what does Colby Lifeson do? Is he kind of the fourth string shooting guard or whatever? We'll see. Zach Selius is another guy that I know he's a forward, but maybe he takes a he's few a more three-point three shots. Four stretch four, right? Yep. This morning, the Pac-12 media picked Utah to not only win the South Division, but to win the league. Barely. Oregon and Washington cannibalized the vote. There were 35 votes. It was split basically evenly, and Utah had the most votes with, uh, I believe, 12. Uh, Does this change your outlook on the game August 29th? A little bit. And I can't tell you how much I love that Utah was picked to win the (laughs) Pac-12. I love this. I've been screaming from this microphone Ramp up the expectations. Oh, the Utes are so Make great. Make them higher than oh ever. Oh, my gosh. They're the best. This is a unique position. <laughs> They've never been picked to win the Pac-12. Now the pressure is really yeah. on. What are you going to do now, Utah? They're supposed to dominate BYU now. They're oh, the best team in the BYU. Pac-12. Independent, 7-6 and six a Don't year have ago. any business being on the yeah. same field no as way. Utah as the preseason Pac-12 champions. We're way. going to Pasadena. Weaklings. The Rose Bowl calls the Utes. Okay? I no, the college football playoff does, love Spencer. This. I love it. <laughs> Ramp up the expectations. I'm with you, man. There is more pressure on Utah. They've never dealt with something like yes. this. This is the most hyped Utah team of all time. Ever. It is. Nothing to lose mentality has taken on a new role for BYU. The Cougars shouldn't win this game. Nobody should expect BYU to win this game against the preseason Pac-12 favorites. The Cougars were 7-6 and six last year. Oh. They couldn't beat Utah when they had Blow their a, backup quarterback. Oh, a 20-point lead. And their 17-string running back. <laughs> it was a linebacker. But who, who cares that BYU was playing with their fourth-string running back and had their a different quarterback. starting quarterback? Yep, yeah. Yep. Regardless, mm-hmm. all the pressure on Utah. If BYU beats Utah now, Jerem. <laughs> Okay, that idea is so pure. If if BYU beats Utah, this may be the best Utah team that BYU has ever defeated. Okay, there is that opportunity. Yeah, 
There is that opportunity. We'll see how Utah shakes up. There's no way Utah lives up to all this hype. No way. Ramp Listen, it up. Utah's really good. Don't get me wrong. Like that defense, really good. They lost a lot of uh, uh, linebackers. The offensive line, suspect a little bit, right? Like Tyler Huntley's a good quarterback. He's shown he can just be okay at times as well. What other preseason power five pick to win a league would only be a six point favorite in Provo? Uh, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, or Clemson. Those would be the preseason picks in the other conferences. They would be at least a 17-point favorite. This is an indictment on the Pac-12. Okay. Okay? The margin of loss in the last six games for BYU and Utah is an average of 5.3. It's all been single-digit. Losers talk about margin of loss. Yes, BYU's lost eight in a row. This is, this is a game that I don't expect BYU to win, but I know they can win. And I'm excited about it. Because it's a different pressure. Guess what? Utah has to beat BYU. Has to beat Northern Illinois. They will beat Idaho State. And then you go to the Pac-12 gauntlet at USC. Right? A place where Utah won recently. How but do they exceed expectations? They don't. They, well, they'd have to go to the college football playoffs. Yes! If, well, if they go to the Rose Bowl, that is a huge accomplishment. Well, right. it's, it's Rose Bowl or bust. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that's a little bit scary if you were... Oh. A yeah. Utah fan where it's like, oh, man, do we really want to put that expectation on them? Rose Bowl this, or bust? This is the worst possible situation for Utah in the preseason, in my opinion, because they have played so well over the years as the underdog. Yes. 4 BCS oh, yes. Buster. They've thrived in the role. TCU and BYU are ranked in the top 25, right? And then uh, the last couple of years, they finally broke out and got that outright division title. Didn't beat Washington in a close game, and then they lose the uh, the de facto Rose Bowl yeah. JV game against Northwestern, right? The losers from the Big Ten and the, the Pac-12. Utah's going to be good. It's just a matter of how good, and I'm with you. The pressure that's on them right now is awesome. Utah's best seasons have come when they were off the radar to start. Yes. 04, now 08. what? Now what? BYU is in the same boat. 84, off the radar. Yeah. Oh, wait. Quest for perfection! No, no. no. Ten and three, but not good enough. Two thousand six right? BYU off the radar, finished eleven and two and ranked ninety six. Really good, yeah. ninety six. Yeah. Two thousand one. Yeah, like you don't want the expectation because then where do you go? Only Far- if you're Alabama, you Clemson, Ohio State. Those are the only teams that thrive under that. Expectation. Wow. A ten plus win season is certainly a strong and ambitious goal for a team that wants to finish ranked and relevant, right? BYU hasn't since 2011. Just hasn't happened. Part of the reason we're frustrated with the whole thing here. How many ifs is BYU away from a 10-win season? <laughs> the basis of this show, especially in the offseason, is based on hypotheticals. Which is more exciting than actual results. <laughs> in a lot of this ways, is gray, and those are black and white, right? There are three ifs. Ooh, only three. For BYU from accomplishing a 10-win season, Jerem. Number one, if... BYU starts the season two and two. Okay, that's one if they have a shot. Okay, it's it's realistic they could win ten games if they start the season at least two and two. Number two, if BYU has a winning record against rivals, something they have not done in the Kalani Satake era, one and eight overall does not compute. So if BYU starts 2-2, two and two, and if the Cougars have a winning record against rivals, then it's still a possibility. And third, Jerem, if BYU wins the bowl game, oh, okay. that'll be their 10th win I, right there. I feel you, because your, your supposition at 2-2 two and two is that BYU now would have to go at least 7-1. Correct. In the final eight. Correct. I think 
there are four ifs. Okay. Oh, okay. One, if BYU beats Utah, you just have to start that way. You're not going to be able to get out to see the proper way if you don't upset Utah. Probably the highest ranked team BYU will face at uh, before the season starts. Right? If BYU wins three of the first four, I think to win ten games. Wow. And I was thinking mostly regular season. I'm with you on the bowl thing. But if BYU starts three and one, okay, ten is totally possible. You still would need to go seven and one. You still would need to go seven and one. You have one slip up. That's it. Because I see probably two uh, games that BYU loses in the final. You know, six and two. If BYU goes one and three, six and two, we'll be kind of bummed with that result, but we'd take it, right? Also, if Zach Wilson, the O line, main defensive players, Anderson, Kafusi, Gamoluku, Tonga, the majority of them can stay healthy, you've got a shot. What did we see at the end of uh, last year? Against BYU's going to beat Utah if they stay healthy and don't get passive on offense. Hey, let's and go. And then what? It's an A win season, and we're going, oh, maybe BYU can win 10 this year. Like the rhetoric would just change, right? So there are four ifs for BYU to get to a 10 win season. 10 would be incredible, right? I would take eight in the regular season right now. Nine, I'm going to go, hey, better than, better than we thought. Zach Wilson's now an upperclassman. Jaron Hall, sweet. Gunnar Romney. Matt Bushman's a senior. Lopini's a sophomore. This O-line is all back. You know, Isaiah Kafusi's still there. Uh, you know, lots of weapons defensively still. But, yeah, the future's exciting. But, you know, it's better than the future. The present. Ah, uh, yes. You want the present to be good. And I think this is an eight-win BYU team in the regular season if they can uh, just, just, be, just, just be themselves. I don't think they have to be crazy. They could be. Ten, though, is like, whoa. You put a large emphasis on beating Utah. And yes, yes if yes. BYU beats Utah, that plays into my idea of having a winning record against rivals and starting 2-2. Two and two. It almost feels like BYU has to win that opening game to have any shot. It's too much. Any it's, shot. It's too much. Because if they lose, then what? Ah, the season's over. No, it's not. It's not impossible, but yeah. then BYU would have to beat Boise State and Utah State to have a winning record against rivals. And one of those games that is could in happen. Logan. That could happen. Yeah. Okay. BYU's so, a favorite in Provo against Boise State. But boy, it'd be sure nice to start with a win in how many days? Countdown to the Utes. 38 days. Shout out to Matt Payne. And speaking of Boise State, rocking that dude's world twice. <laughs> yeah, what was that guy's name? Uh, I was on my mission for that. I totally missed that. Um, is everyone fasting? We talked about the 40-day thing. during Just during the day? At least is a everyone, partial day fast. Everyone, A partial day fast. I'm fasting during the show. Yeah, from I'm not, not going to drink this water. From 10 to 11, are we fasting <laughs> until August 29th? Do we want to win or not? Because <laughs> on the field, regular stuff hasn't worked yet. Huey really was funny. up by 20 and, it's, and still didn't win. 37, 37 days away. Alamo Fatissimano, he's on the staff. If there weren't enough context for this game. Yeah. 36 days. One week away from the start of fall camp, by the way. They report next Tuesday. They practice next Wednesday. Five weeks from tomorrow. And we shot a commercial last night with Zach Wilson. Had a great time hanging out with him. Stoked to see what he does in fall camp. 35 days. 35 days. Five weeks. From today. Five weeks, people. We're almost there. We're six days away from fall camp. How about that? 34 days. Oh, man, my voice sounds so good. Yeah. It sounds so good right now. Jason, you're on the <laughs> number 34. Kalani Satake. Yeah, he baby. was number 34. Yeah, baby. Uh, he begins year four of his tenure as head coach at Brigham. The Utes are the first challenge on the schedule. I don't know if you knew that. 
Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU-TV, and BYU-Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Two-time Super Bowl champion, NFL veteran, Washington Husky quarterback, and current radio analyst, Damon Hewer. Damon, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, fellas. All right, so yesterday the Pac-12 announces their projections for who's going to win the conference, and typically UW is at the top of that list, or so it seems recently. So how does it feel to not have Washington be the expected favorite to win the Pac-12? Well, you know, I, I get it a little bit. I mean, there's just going to be a lot of new faces on this uh, 2019 Husky football team, and especially on defense. We lose nine starters from a year ago. And then obviously offensively, you, you know, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin have been lining up at quarterback and, and running back in the last four years. So, you know, that's a lot of new faces, a lot of question marks. And uh, you can see why the, the, the media thinks that uh, the dogs might fall a little bit here in 2019. We're certainly interested in the expectations around Utah. That's BYU's first game. It's the rival, of course. Do you feel like the Utes are for real this year? I do. You know, certainly playing them last year, they've probably been one of our toughest opponents uh, in the Pac-12. Certainly the last couple years, uh, it seems like it's always come down to a special teams play or a fourth down stop uh, to beat them. Um, it's been super, super, or a field goal, super competitive games. And, um, yeah, they're just a physical defense. Uh, they obviously got a, a quarterback in, in Tyler Huntley coming back. It's a talent. So, it, um, yeah, they're a good football team, no question, and pick to win the South. We kind of feel like Jacob Eason is under the radar because he didn't play a ton, and now he's transferred, and he's the guy at – UW after having to sit out for a little while. So what can you tell us about Jacob Eason and what he brings to Chris Peterson in Washington? Yeah, well, you know, he has not been named the starter just yet. Um, you know, after spring ball, they, they didn't feel like uh, there was clear separation between him, Jake Hayner. And so, you know, it's going to carry on in here to fall camp. But I think, you know, the consensus is that Eason is the favorite, but you never know. Um, it's about moving the chains and making good decisions, and we'll see what happens here the first uh, few weeks of training camp. So, uh, obviously, he is a talented kid. I mean, he is all of 6'6", 240 pounds, uh, can throw the football a country mile. I had some success at Georgia as a true freshman in the SEC, um, a local product here, a five-star. So, you know, he's got a super high ceiling. And um, But I know there's still competition is what it's always all about here going into training camp. And um, it should be interesting to see how that plays out. Always a little nerve-wracking to lose the all-time leading rusher as well in Savan Ahmed. What, what are the expectations for a guy who's been a pretty good number two the last couple of years? Yeah, he's a stud. Um, he's super fast. You know, we, he do a lot of different things for us these last uh, couple of years. You know, the fly sweep. Uh, we give him the ball out of the backfield on screens and some of those things. But now, you know, he's, he's one of the guys we're expecting to carry the load, run him between the tackles. And, and he's a talented guy, but super big shoes to fill uh, with Miles Gaskin. Um, but uh, between him, Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew, we feel like we've got a pretty good stable of running backs you know, running behind uh, arguably one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 conference. Damon Heward with us, Washington Husky quarterback, radio analyst right now. 
it feels like the entire defensive starting 11 got drafted out of Seattle. <laughs> so what, what yeah. can we expect from the Washington defense this season? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I mean, Coach Pete and Coach Kukowski, Jimmy Lake, they have this philosophy of playing guys and playing them backups in meaningful situations and games. And it'll be the third series of the game. All of a sudden, our number two linebacker core will be in the game, and they're like, where's and These guys are about to score. But that's the philosophy is they play these guys. They get them experience for when it's their turn to start. If there's an injury, they're ready to roll. So we have we don't have a lot of starters returning. We have a lot of guys who played a lot of football for us. You know, especially on the back end of the defense, obviously Taylor Rapp, Byron Murphy, Jordan Miller, all moving on to the NFL. But we've had guys like Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden. You know, they've played a lot of football. And we still have Miles Bryant, uh, preseason All-Pac-12 uh, defensive back, coming back. I don't know where he's going to play. We played him at nickel, safety, corner, everywhere. Um, you know, the defensive line, yeah, yeah, we lost great games. Some really good production there, Shane Bowman. But we rotate eight, nine guys in those positions. So, you know, guys like Levi Anzarike, um, John Clark, uh, Benny Potoa, he's going to move down, put his hand in the dirt. He was a buck linebacker for us last year. So Ryan Bowman led our team in sacks two years ago. So we have some guys who've played but maybe haven't started. And as you've known from years past when we've lost guys to the NFL, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading. We recruited well, we've developed well. And uh, although they haven't started, I think they'll be ready to play if, if anything, if I saw anything in spring. So it looks like a pretty good crew over on defense, although young. Chris Peterson waited a long time to take a Power 5 job, and I, I feel like he's a perfect fit for Washington, a guy that is an excellent <clears throat> coach, innovative, creative, gets great skill position players. This has been a nice merger. Um, how would you evaluate the first five seasons of Chris Peterson in Seattle, and what's the expectation moving forward? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. I mean, back-to-back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl games, three 10-win seasons in a row, two of the last three years, conference champions, eight guys drafted um, this last spring. Um, We had 70 players with a 3.0 or better in the classroom the spring quarter. I mean, you know, we've had some good chapters and good errors and great runs here in Husky football. You know, none. I don't know if any have been better. You know, the only thing missing really is is winning one of these big games, uh, you know, on the big stage. And, uh, you know, leaving the, the CFP in Alabama a couple of years ago and even the Fiesta Bowl Penn State, you know, we really did get dominated on the line of scrimmage. I didn't feel that way leaving the Rose Bowl in Ohio State. We got out, we got into a hole. Um, we just we came back. We made it close and competitive in the end. We just buried ourselves early in the football game. But uh, we, we're not far off. I mean, we, we've recruited really well these last couple of years. I think, you know, even talking to people around – the league, we've got all the big boys, you know, uh, from Hawaii to Southern Cal, uh, even in Utah, dipped in there, some big body players that uh, are really going to pay big dividends down the road this 2019-18-19 recruiting class. So, you know, things are awesome. Uh, again, just winning, winning a Rose Bowl, maybe winning the CFP. You know, we're, we're in the hunt. We're right there. But it's kind of taking that next step. But the expectations are high. You win as many games as you've had. These last couple of years, people people love that feeling of winning and want to keep it rolling here in Seattle. Looking at the conference as a whole, too, it's been left out a couple of years because you have you know uh, a lot of good teams going up against each other. There hasn't been that team that's kind of stepped away from everybody else, had no losses or one losses. How do you feel about where the Pac-12 fits right now and uh, how tough it is to emerge from there relatively unscathed to get into the playoff? Yeah, everyone wants to gripe and complain about our conference and it being down. But, you know, I think the middle of our conference is is really where where it's at. You know, you just never know what you're going to get from Mike Leach and the Cougs. And, <laughs> and there they go 11-2 and two last year on the Palouse. The most wins they've ever had in school history. 
You know, Oregon seems to be recruiting really well. You know, they're a juggernaut. Stanford and David Shaw, I mean, that, you know, it's a program that's been getting it done year in and year out. And then Kyle Whittingham at Utah. And now, you know, you got some really good coaches in there. Um, in uh, Justin Wilcox at Cal, that defense was one of the best defenses we saw all last season. You know, I think Herm at Arizona State, they're doing some neat things. I mean, SC, I mean, let's just not write them off. Chip Kelly, I mean, so, you know, you say, oh, man, maybe it's Washington, Utah, Stanford, Oregon at the top. But, I mean, you got Chip Kelly and Herm Edwards and some of these guys in the middle of the conference, you know, with some talented players and played a lot of young guys last year that you know are going to be better. So, you know, this conference, top to bottom, there's just no real bad teams. I feel like anybody can beat anybody on any given Saturday, right? Absolutely. Uh, we'll finish with this. What's your perception of BYU football going into this season? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, last year was, uh, you know, not a very competitive game here in Husky Stadium. But uh, I, I've been to Provo there. The first game I ever called on the radio uh, was, uh, I believe it was 2010. You guys put uh, a beat down on us. Um, so I know how tough it is to, to go up there and play uh, that high altitude and the awesome crowd and just that incredible setting that you guys have there uh, in the mountains. So um, it's going to be a tough physical game. I think of a smart physical football team, um, you know, so it's uh, it's going to be a great football game and a great challenge for this young Husky football team. Damon, it's great to talk to you. For the record, uh, we'll debate later whether you, your brother Brock, uh, or Luke throw the ball best. So that, that'll come later. <laughs> Well, I'm the best looking of the three. <laughs> yeah, that's that the best. Okay. Well, that matters well. Thanks, Damon. <laughs> you got it, fellas. Have a great day. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It's time now that we have an eat and greet, Jerem. Food's going to be right on the set? <laughs> I don't know. Can we get some food in here during Between the Lines? I'm hungry. We'll try it. We'll, no, oh, we're, wait, fasting. we're fasting. We're fasting. We're fasting. Until we are just during fasting. the show. Until the BYU time game. I forgot. <laughs> I'm not going to drink this water. Eat and greet. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. With Ricky Fantoy Jr., Brenna Porter, and Whitney Orton, we wanted to get a look into what they eat for their pregame meal so we can be fast. Well, as you can see here, we've got ourselves a nice plate of baked beans here. Uh-huh. Uh, just something that, you know, keep, kind of keeps the, the crab cycle going, just making sure that you're ready to jump. So here, we can just give this a try. Oh, well, that's not bad. It's a pretty good dish. I'm curious, why baked beans? How did this come about as your pregame meal? Well, when I got to regionals, I just... The accent's gone, by the way. Oh, 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 the I'm sorry. Just made it, but no, yeah, right. you, you know, I've been, in, I've been in Utah too long. But anyway, when I was, the camera was on me, I happened to kind of, kind of, kind of black out there for a second. Then I just kind of said what was on my mind, and, and that happened to come up. And now everyone just knows. You're me. the baked bean guy. The baked yeah. <laughs> bean. A little bit of hard work. That's all that is. A little bit of hard work, a little bit of prayer. Baked beans. That's all there is to it. Ain't nothing else to it. All right, well, I'm going to try some of these. Are you Go cool ahead. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, do you understand now 
feel, you feel what it's doing for you I, and to you. Big beans make you jump higher. Brenna, what do we have as your pregame meal? So, as my pregame meal, I have delicious oatmeal, only instant, it's the only way to go. <laughs> I give it a 10 out of 10 on presentation. I usually put a little bit of peanut butter in there. Okay. So I'm just gonna put, you know, a dollop. A dollop peanut of peanut there. butter. <laughs> I'm just gonna. Do you just mix it right in or yep, do you leave it on top? Just mix it right in. Okay, delicious. I'm gonna... How is it? I might need some water. <laughs> so how did this start as oatmeal and peanut butter being your pregame meal? About a month ago, I realized I'm really poor, and so I didn't want to buy a big breakfast. So I just started to eat the oatmeal, and it took off from there. What is it about it that you like? You got the protein, you got the carbs, you got the fat, everything you need. I'm gonna taste this. Go for it, Lauren. I wanna see how it tastes. It is really dry. <laughs> it's really flaky. That's how we like it. Yeah, we like it dry. <laughs> this is actually really delicious. <laughs> oatmeal, oatmeal and baked beans. So far, way to go. All right, let's move on to our last athlete here, uh, Whitney. Whitney, what do we? <laughs> Look at that reveal. <laughs> We're in for a treat, guys. Okay. okay. So you just gotta start off by cutting the avocado. Okay. So you put the avocado on the sandwich. We do need a little salt and pepper, but you know, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm all about the spices. I'm all about salt and pepper. You do need to spice it up. So do you have cheese and turkey like we have on this sandwich? Yes. Always. Usually okay. um, more of a provolone girl. Okay. Or Swiss. Okay. But I'll do some um, craft singles today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm. How is it? Bite? Okay. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really good avocado. You know what, you guys? I feel like I am the fastest person in the world right now after eating these things. Should we put it to the test? You guys yeah. ready? You want to race? Sure. It? Let's, Let's go, Lauren. Let's hit it. Go. In a dress. <laughs> Our thanks to Lauren McLean and our Between the Lines crew. Baked Listen, beans with an accent, I it, guess. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to ask him, like, why, why, why are you talking in an accent? Sir now? Ricky Fantroy Jr. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jerem, he's only started seven games. Mm-hmm. But it's seven games. So why not take a look at Zach Wilson's numbers as he approaches his sophomore season as the quarterback, y'all, at BYU and how he compares to other BYU greats? Do we dare? Yes, it's just the stats. When Zach Wilson took over the reins as the BYU quarterback last season, he became the youngest quarterback ever to start a game for the Cougars. In seven games started by Wilson, his 65.9 completion percentage was the highest of any Cougar quarterback in independence, with a minimum of 175 attempts. With Zach Wilson at the helm, could quarterback you be back at BYU? Let's look at just the stats. Through seven starts, Wilson threw 11 touchdowns for 1,514 yards and only three interceptions. His 11 touchdowns in his first seven starts are more than BYU legends Steve Young and Jim McMahon, who each threw for 10 touchdowns in their first seven starts, while his 65.9% completion percentage trumps names such as Young, McMahon, 
Detmer, Bosco, Hall, and Beck in their first seven starts, and Wilson's three interceptions are less than all six BYU greats. In their first full seasons as starting quarterbacks, these six BYU legends each threw for 3,000-plus yards, 20-plus touchdowns, and a completion percentage of over 60%. For Wilson, a 3,000-yard season would only be the second for BYU in independence, and 20-plus touchdown season would break a three-year drought for cooler quarterback. However, since independence began in 2011, there has only been one season where one quarterback has started every game for the Cougars in a season. This season, BYU has five quarterbacks listed on the roster, three of whom have seen game action. Wilson, sophomore Joe Critchlow, and redshirt freshman Jaron Hall. Hall went 12 for 14 for 203 yards and two touchdowns in the spring game. He is expected to begin the season as Wilson's backup. Whether this season holds one true starter throughout the season or multiple, BYU is not lacking in depth at the quarterback position. That's just the stats. Yeah, QBU, no. You'd have to have multiple again, right? Um, when you had Max Hall and John Beck, we were like, they are in the Pantheon now. Yes, yes. Taysom Hill entered the Pantheon. But you need multiple guys. So if Zach Wilson's awesome and then Jaron Hall's awesome, which, by the way, they're only separated by a year, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Good to have, too. Interesting. The thing that stuck out the most was, oh, wow, Zach Wilson was better in his first seven than th- ding, 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 right? That's impressive. That is very interesting. That's impressive. Yeah. For sure. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Chantel Jennings of The Athletic. She's been on the show before, released an article yesterday. Is she athletic? And she's wise, Jaron, because she understands just how much attention is being paid to this BYU-Utah rivalry game. Any good writer is going to try and target a demographic and know that the reading will take place, right? Yeah, you you want to get a lot of views. Clickbait, baby. She said that while Utah got the better deal leaving the Mountain West and going to the Pac-12. Are we sure about that? BYU. <laughs> got the national exposure and access to their fans. So each side got a little something better than the other. But the question now is, Jerem, would you rather be in a Power Five or keep the direct exposure to national fans? I think I know how you're going to answer this. Yeah, I, you lost me at would you rather be in a Power Five. I didn't hear the last part. Exactly. Did you say something exactly. else? Exactly. Uh, in a Power Five conference, you get big TV money, at least $25 million. That's on the low end, Right. If you win the league, you're likely to be in the college football playoff. There are teams who don't, but you're likely to be in it. Um, if you're second in the league, you probably play in a New Year's Six game, you know, and there's big money there. If BYU was in a Power Five conference, but all the games were on Amazon Prime at 9 a.m., I would be happy yes. with the situation because the schedule you play, the access you have, the money you have, that would all be great. It's the best ball. It's the most money. That's the end game. Get there and build up. It's taken Utah nine seasons to get to a point where they felt like they could actually win the league and are validated in that idea. It took them eight seasons to get an outright division title. If BYU got to a Power Five, they would struggle mightily, probably a losing season or two or three in the first couple years. But that would be just fine because once you're in, you're in. Nobody's been kicked out of one in this modern era. So once you're in, you're in. I would way rather be in a Power Five. It is nice to be on ESPN. They help with the schedule. That's all awesome with the Bulls. 
But it's the next best thing. It's not the best thing. Hey, listen, remember when BYU was playing on the network that shall not be named? Baltimore. Yeah, and you oh, know what, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. okay, for those that don't know. <laughs> well, if you don't know, you, what? The Mountain. The mountain. Okay, <laughs> from, from here on to forth on BYU Sports Nation. Not the Mountain. We will not mention that network other than saying the network that shall not be named. Versus. Okay, <laughs> okay. BYU fans found a way to watch the Cougars. Okay, it, it's well. It's, some didn't. Most most did. Okay, there are easier ways to watch BYU if they went to a Power Five conference like the Pac-12 than when they were playing on the mountain. Like yeah, it's ESPN and Fox, FS1, Pac-12 Network. Pac- Oh, some people say, well, you can't see their games because they're on the Pac-12 network. You'll find a way, whether it's Sling or YouTube TV. Well, it's or not some, every game. Streaming through the Pac-12network.com directly onto your TV. Like, technology has changed. So they'll find a way. What BYU doesn't have the option of right now, which they would have in a Power 5 conference, is the continual revenue stream that would be coming into the athletic program. Good grief. Of course, this is an easy answer. You would rather be in a Power 5 conference. It's yeah. not close. Yeah, it's not close. It's not even close. Yeah. Is there some consolation because BYU's not in a Power 5 conference and have an ESPN deal? Yeah, it, it, it speaks to the brand. That's nice. But in terms of comparing one to the other, this is ridiculous. This is, hey, do you want an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii and stay in a five-star resort for two weeks or – do you want to go to Cody, Wyoming for two days? Now, you just offended the sensibilities of our no amazing no. fans in Cody, Wyoming, I'm, home of the Rainbow Room and tennis shoes among the Nephites. Okay, then Laramie, Wyoming. There Should we go. do that? Yeah, Laramie. You want, you yeah. want a, Laramie, yeah, Laramie, we don't care. You want two days in Laramie or do you want two weeks in Hawaii? This is the not dumb, close. This is the dumbest question this I've ever not heard. close. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. General Manager of Team Fredette, TJ Fredette. TJ, welcome back to the show. How are you? What's up, TJ? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm doing good. How are you? Fantastic. We're ready to watch some uh, high-level basketball in Salt Lake City this weekend. The TBT is always fun. Jimmer played in it last year. Now he's coaching, and he's part of your coaching staff that uh, you are the general manager of. What has you most excited about this year's version of Team Fredette? There's a lot of things that I'm excited, excited about with this roster. Um, I'd say probably in particular, I'm really excited about the depth that we have and the versatility. We have so many different lineups that we can put on the floor. If we got to go big, we can go big. If we want to go small, we can go small and run teams to death. There's just so many different options. We got shooters. We got a little bit of everything. So the offense is going to be really explosive. And just that versatility, uh, being able to throw different lineups out there, I think is what I'm most excited about, seeing how the team gels with, with different units on the floor. Certainly has a BYU flavor, hence the need for the conversation. Uh it feels like Jimmer and Brandon Davies got too good. They're not on the team this year, right? That's a good problem to have, I guess. I know, I know. You can't replace those two, but um, I'm really happy for the opportunities that both of them have. And, you know, it's it's tough. You know, you got to 
weigh your different options, and, and guys are away from their families a lot. So you, you can understand them making the decision to, to sit it out this year. Definitely got to respect their their choice, and we'll, we'll definitely miss them, but we're happy for them and the opportunities they have going forward. The roster does feature BYU's all-time leading scorer, Tyler Hawes. Who else should fans keep a close eye on specifically? You know, there's a lot of guys on this roster to, to keep an eye on, but um, in terms of some newcomers that we have, there's two guards named uh, Two Holloway and Rob Gray that are incredible. Keep an eye on those two extremely explosive scorers, both of them capable of putting up 40 any given night. Uh, both had played really well in the NCAA tournament back when they were playing. Um, two great pros. Those are definitely two two players you can't miss that are new new additions to the team. And also BYU fans that remember uh, Jimmer's days when he was playing will probably remember Darrington Hobson. And a healthy Darrington Hobson, which he is now, is is dangerous. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything, NBA-level type player. So I keep an eye on those guys, but I'll tell you what, everybody on this roster um, is capable of getting things done and definitely can't miss talent. Was it a no-brainer to have Dave Rose coach this team? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as I heard that he was retiring, that thought immediately went into my head, but I didn't really want to ask him. I just, felt, you know, I just felt like this guy's a legend and, you know, he probably wants to relax and enjoy his family, enjoy the off season. But so I, I text him just to see if he'd be interested in coming, just making an appearance. Maybe we could do something at halftime to honor him. And he was like, Oh, absolutely. TJ, anything I can do to help out with TBT. And so when he said anything I can do, I was like, that, did that open the door a little bit? Like, I, I had to at least find out. So then I'm like, Coach, would you be interested in coaching? And I couldn't believe it when he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That'd be a blast. And I was just, like, so excited. Just landed a legend as our coach. He's definitely going to be the best coach in the tournament. And we're so excited to have him. That's just, that's big time. Does Dave Rose have the final say in everything that happens, or do your dad, Al, and Jimmer, and you get involved in this? Like, who who has the final say? Well, we're we're involved, but I told Coach, you have the final say. You're the coach. You're the one who who, who knows what you're doing above everyone else, and you know this is your expertise. So we definitely want you to be the one to make the final decision. We will give our input. We'll give our help. We've had some some calls, and we've. Um, given our thoughts on the roster and different lineups and things like that. But in terms of final decision, I don't want there to be any gray area. It's all with coach. And so I let him know that and he's ready to roll. He has a questionable hire with an assistant coach by the name of Jimmer Fredette. Um, how good do you think Jimmer's <laughs> going to be thinking. as an assistant? <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking with that hire, but uh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Jimmer's going to be great. He he knows the game in and out. You know, if he wanted to be a coach someday, he definitely would be a great coach. Um, he does well with the players and, and just knows different scenarios. So, you know, him and coach being able to be back together and working with each other on the sidelines is going to be magic. Um, so they've already been talking a little bit, and they work so good together. So it's going to be a great fit. As Jimmer's Biggest fan and longtime supporter, TJ. What do you think of his next professional opportunity in Greece playing with uh, a powerhouse over there, Panathinaikos? 
I'm thrilled about it because, um, you know, I've seen some of the footage of the games over there, and the atmosphere is unbelievable. I mean, the closest thing I've seen to the old BYU days. I mean, it's just so electric. The fans are so into it. Um, So I think that aspect of it is going to be something special. And then the fact that this team is just so good. You know, they have so much talent. And like you said, they are a powerhouse. So being able to, you know, he hasn't really had an opportunity to win anything in his professional career, unfortunately. It just hasn't panned out being on teams that were able to make runs in the playoffs anywhere. So being on a team that really has an opportunity to make some noise, win a championship, and maybe hopefully do some damage in the Euro League as well, that's something that I'm, I'm thrilled about. It's just uh, – is I think it's going to be a great fit for him and an unbelievable opportunity to play over there. TJ, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, really quickly, how do fans get involved with the basketball tournament? So you can go to thetournament.com, and all information is on there in terms of scheduling and uh, the bracket and how you can buy tickets. Tickets are still on sale, pre-order. Uh, you can also just show up at the Maverick Center. We kick off July we kick off Thursday, so July 25th at 8.30 Utah time. Um, and it also, I'm going to put stuff out on my social media, and we have Team Fredette social medias on Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter. If you want to follow me or follow the team, um, we'll put up links on how you can watch the games in the Salt Lake region because our first games are going to be on ESPN3, which is um, an online streaming through ESPN. So we'll make sure we get the information out there so that everybody can have a chance to watch. And then we plan on moving on, being in Chicago, and those games will be televised on ESPN and ESPN2. So we'll get the word out there so everybody can watch and be involved. Outstanding. Great to catch up with you, TJ. Thanks so much. Thank you guys so much. Great to talk to you. We'll see you guys soon. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.